around the world and on satellite. about this in relationship to covenants. It's actually the same word that we see as covenants. Uh, the word for covenant means covenant, means contract, means agreement. It means a league. It means a treaty. And ancient Israel, which was the kingdom of God on earth, was not to make such an agreement. If we go back in uh, to the time of Christ, the same thing was going on, 78 A.D. or B.C., uh, the citizens of Judea were making contracts. Uh, they made contracts through the Sanhedrin, who were creating uh, a system of income tax. Uh, they had a system of sales tax. They had a system of compelled uh, offerings at the temple that were called Corbin, uh, that were to take care of the needy of their society widows, orphans, and, and, and people who became indigent by way of, uh, became blind or whatever. And, but you had to join up, you had to sign up for that system of Corbin, and then your offerings were compelled by court of law. Uh, they actually sent out the soldiers who would arrest you if you did not contribute to Corbin, a percentage of what you earned in a given year. Now, Corbin had been around for centuries. There had always been Corbin. Corbin is simply the Hebrew word for sacrifice. If you go into the Latin, you'll find Corbin. You'll find the word in uh, the uh, Talmud. You'll find the word in uh, the Koran. It's what you sacrifice in your society to take care of the needy of your society. It's what, how you take care of society as an extended family. And that's what society is. It's your extended family. That's why the early testament always talks about brotherhood. You do this because you love one another. That's the contract. That's the league. That's the binding glue of your society is that you love one another as God loves you. And you love God who is justice and mercy and and requires us to live by faith, by trusting in him, by walking with him. That is the kingdom of God. What men do is try to create kingdoms of the world. And we've seen before that the word world in the New Testament is translated from numerous different words. Uh, it is translated from uh, cosmos, ecomene, aeon, all meaning completely different things. Uh, cosmos specifically means the state, constitutional order or system of government. So when Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world it was on the planet he had been saying for years go ye and preach the kingdom of god is at hand within your reach and he preached the kingdom of god the kingdom of god is not meat and drink but righteousness and peace and joy in the holy ghost it is not a matter of having a particular ID or uh, not having a league or covenant with the world, uh, the constitutional order or system of government. It's not about separating yourself that way. That will take place because the nature of evil requires you to be evil too. Go into a bar and order milk. They don't like that. I mean, a real bar. 
Uh, not that I've done that, but uh, I have been in two bars to fix things <laughs> in the past, and uh, guys all want to buy you drink, and I no, I don't drink. I mean, I'll have a glass of wine and stuff like that, but I don't go to bars and drink. They don't like that. They want you to drink, too. They want you to be like them. Evil wants you to be like evil. And evil is simply the absence of good. It's not so much going around doing evil things. It's just not going around and being righteous. If you don't go around and be righteous, then you don't know what the kingdom is. You know, there's a big, long list of things that you should not hang around people who do. It's in Second Timothy uh, chapter 3. False accusers, making up stories, uh, inventing evil where there is no evil, uh, backbiters. A similar list is found in Romans uh, 1 uh, chapter 30. But we're told not only not to be that way, but not have anything to do with those people that are that way. One of the things is you're not supposed to be covetous. The world at the time of Herod and when Christ came on the scene had become more and more covetous. It had invented social programs that coveted their neighbor's goods to obtain a, a status of social security, of guarantee, of protection. These are the people who could not live by faith. They were literally creating a socialist state in Judea. And they did this with their Corbin by offering something. And we cover this in, in the books like Thy Kingdom Come. Uh, we're talking today about chapter 1 of Thy Kingdom Come, which is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are really the same thing. You'll see that if you go through, and we, we do this in the book, we do it, do it for you, making it easy. We've made it too easy for some people. And they said, oh, yeah, we want that. We want that liberty of Christ. We want to be a part of that. We want to be a part of the kingdom. We don't want to have leagues with other nations. But they don't really have... The, the more you come close to them, the more they will show those characteristics in Second uh, Timothy chapter 3. They will begin to invent stories. They will begin, begin to falsely accuse. They will not be able to focus on actual problems that still are present in their life because they don't really want the righteous salvation. They want to appear to be righteous, and that is not the kingdom. They want to be rich in praise. Oh, of course, they want to be praised for their humility, too, and it'll do, go to great pains. I saw this when I was in the seminary studying to be a missionary. I saw it in myself. That's why I know. But I wasn't overwhelmed by it. I was able to repent from it. Is this idea of appearing good. Uh, appearing, you know, the noble missionary. Traipsing off to South America or China. Or Africa. And we get uh, a sense of envy and vanity out of this and of course those are some of those things we, we should not want to be a part of now you can't force yourself to not be envious not be covetous not be a false accuser it has to be written in your heart and in your mind the point, reason I bring this up is that if you find yourself falsely accusing repeatedly going back to one thing and then when maybe that's proved wrong you go over to another thing to try to accuse somebody else or the whole long list. You can go through that whole long list. You will, uh, things. You need to do some turning. You need to turn around and away. These are evidence that you are not approaching the kingdom of God. Don't be disheartened when you see yourself committing error. Be pleased. Because now you can do something about it. The ones who should be disheartened are the ones who think they are not committing error. That are proud and boastful of their humility. Now one evidence of whether or not you're on the right track is can you be offended? Can somebody say anything that will upset you? 
well, obviously, almost every one of us is subject to that. But you can be upset by others. You're a slave still. You're still on that wrong side of the equation. You couldn't upset Jesus if you pounded nails in his hands. He was free. Now, also on this day in history, in 1786, Thomas Jefferson uh, passed a, or was uh, put into place this uh, religious freedom. <laughs> religious freedom clause that uh, was in Virginia and was really similar to the First Amendment. He didn't believe the churches should incorporate. He didn't think they should have the power to incorporate. Uh, does that mean he didn't think they could own property? Of course they could hold property and trust. They couldn't own it. They couldn't be rich. But they could hold it in trust as a matter of property for the church. Exactly how that works. I think Thomas Jefferson had a better idea than most of the churches today. The Church of Jesus Christ is not trying to hold or take or possess you or your property or your money or your labor or your wages. If they saw any kind of a social program creating where you would have to waive a part of your labor, knowing that the Corbin of the Pharisees made the Word of God to none effect, they would announce it to the world and say, stay away from that. Don't make a league with them. Don't apply to that system. It will make you a slave and bring you back into the bondage of Egypt. They would tell you that if they were a church established by Jesus Christ. Because Christ does not establish his kingdom or his church on paper. The only reason we use paper is so that we drive stakes in the ground so that the world who cannot see spiritual things will see the paper. It is a signpost to warn them, you are entering the jurisdiction of God. But that has to be real. That has to be backed up by the Spirit. And if you're still backbiting and uh, naysaying and uh, all those lists of bad things, making up stories, inventing uh, evils, falsely accusing, even coveting, boasting, envious. You still have these things in you. Use the protection of the Holy Spirit and do not rely on paper to protect you. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are the same. Righteousness is translated in the Greek defined in a broad sense, a state of him who is as he ought to be. Are you how you ought to be? It is the doctrine concerning the way in which man may attain a state approved of God. You don't do that with paper. You be as you ought to be. In a narrow sense, justice or the virtue which gives each his due. The virtue that gives each his due. The kingdom of God is righteousness. And that is what we should be striving for. More than anything else is righteousness. Being willing to admit we're wrong. We made an error. Not trying to pawn that error off on somebody else because we made the error. Accept it. I was wrong. I am sorry. Don't try to say, well, somebody else has to be as wrong as me. In Genesis 2.15, we see, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. There's the first commandment of God. But if you waive your right to the garden, if you waive your right to this planet so that others have authority over you, over the land, you're going against God.
translators are traitors, and we go over this in in all the books. Covenants of God, Thy Kingdom Come, Free Church Report, and a new one coming out, The Higher Liberty. Translators deceive us by twisting the meaning of words just slightly. And then, of course, dictionary writers, you know, every word in the dictionary has multiple definitions. With that ability, you can make anything mean almost anything you want. And, of course, that's what the devil does. That's why he does the things the way he does. The sophistry is his greatest tool. And our unwillingness to see that we have been deceived. If you do not want to know that you have been deceived, you will never be free of deception. For the Lord is our judge, and the Lord is our lawgiver, and the Lord is our king. He will save us. But that's not the way it is with most Christians today. Their churches are incorporated. They are incorporated. They're back in the bondage of Egypt. They've done something wrong, and they need to admit it. In the kingdom of uh, God, we see lots of ideas floating around. It's from the Greek, Basilias, Dios. Well, it actually means the royal power, the kingship, the dominion, the rule. Who rules over your life? Are you living by faith, hope, and charity? If you're not, you're not in the kingdom of God. It is the right to be ruled by God. If you go back to the Hebrew, the word for the dominion given to Adam means tread upon. It has to do with your foot, the position of your foot. And that, of course, is a legal maxim. Possession is, as it were, a position of the foot. If God gave us this planet, do we still own it? Or does somebody else own it for us? Somebody else have our right of possession. Do we own our land? Early America, if you didn't own land, you were not a free man. It's still defined that way today. And nobody with a legal title owns the land. They own a right to use it, granted by government. Law versus legal. Covenants of the gods. Available for free. On the net. You can read it any time. It is not meant to give you the secrets of becoming free. It's to give you the truth about what we have done. If you do not want to admit the truth about what we have done, you will not be free. You cannot be free. You will still be bound up in knowledge. This is one of the greatest tasks or difficulties I have is to impart knowledge without people using that knowledge as if it was from the tree of knowledge becoming a source of their actions. That is one of the things that we see uh, so much here is that people get a lot of knowledge from reading our books and then they try to free themselves uh, by changing some of the physical parameters surrounding their present bondage and then claiming that they're free. That, of course, is witchcraft. You cannot, you know, uh, like get rid of your ID and then create a new ID that you're in the kingdom of God and then you're all of a sudden in the kingdom of God. That's changing the physical parameters. That's putting on a white coat like the... uh, Pharisees, you have to actually change and go to that righteousness, that righteous way of living. Uh, you should be loving one another, helping out the poor in your own society where you live, helping out those that have no father because they know not the father and they have accepted the conscripted fathers of the world. We're not here to help everyone who is poor. The city of Cain is full of poor people. Now, we we might do all kinds of things that they might be saved, but if they will not turn away from that long list in 2 Timothy and uh, 1 Romans chapter 30, they will not turn away from those ways. We cannot save them. And... 
we may be doing wrong by helping them. The charity of God is discretionary. Jesus did not heal everybody. He didn't come to... He came to heal those who had faith. He was a conduit of virtue that would heal them. And no amount of intellectual knowledge is going to change the sore in their own hearts unless they really accept the character of Christ. The name of Christ. The way of Christ. Early Christianity was called the way because it wasn't about joining some corporate organization. It's about following a certain way. For the kingdom of heaven as is as a man traveling in a far country who called his own servant and delivered unto them his goods. You see, that's really the key, is to be really the servant of that righteousness, because God is righteousness. In Psalms 145, we see... All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. The kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. Remember back in Genesis uh, 6, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation, and Noah walked with God. God decided to count Noah as righteous. He wasn't really all that righteous, but he was righteous in his generation. So this is the kingdom of God, because the family is the institution of God, and it goes from generation to generation to generation. It's kind of the corporate soul of God is the family. And that is where the dominion on this planet planet, is to rest. And each man who does the will of God remains faithful to the will of God, does not make those leagues, does not make those covenants. The position of his foot establishes the dominion of God on this earth. Well, of course that makes him a target for those who want dominion of this planet but if he immerses himself in the righteousness of God he will be safe he will be willing and anxious to make known to the sons of men the mighty acts and power and glory of the kingdom of God he will not be a hider under a bushel basket he will be professing his faith at every turn at every opportunity Because that is his nature. God could not hold back. Even the rocks would cry out. And in the end days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion and everlasting dominion and kingdom from generation to generation. Daniel. We see over and over again in the Old Testament and the New Testament this reference to the kingdom of God, the ways of God, the procedures of God, the methods of God, the binding of men together by love in a brotherhood. That is the kingdom of God. And covenants, contracts, agreements are a bad thing. Swearing oaths is a bad thing. I pledge allegiance to the King of Kings 
and to his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. One holy nation under the heavenly Father with grace, mercy, and justice for all. Gold and silver is tremendously undervalued. Global demand vastly exceeds mine supply by more than 60% annually. There is little in the financial world more certain than a coming explosion in the prices of gold and silver. The U.S. dollar continues to lose value and respect as the world's reserve currency. Our nation faces challenges on many fronts and a day doesn't pass without another economist bringing forth warnings of impending economic calamity. There has never been a better time than right now to acquire physical gold and silver. Discount Gold and Silver Trading was founded on the principles of truth and honesty. We believe in providing a quality product, quality service, and most importantly, competitive pricing. We provide all forms of precious metals, including American gold, silver, platinum, and rare investment and circulated coins. Silver bars, rounds, and 90% silver bags are on hand for the silver investor. Gold self-directed IRAs are available. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. Toll free, that's 1-800-375-4188. Now listen to me. The Bible says, render unto Caesar. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will be them free. They will watch the DVD, Government Takeover of the Church. Order online today at FirstAmendmentRadio.com or call 559-781-3773. Who will tell them if not you? Hi, Nicholas here. I used to lug those big jugs to the market to fill with water from those coin-operated filter machines. 25 cents a gallon or 5 gallons for a buck. I used to. Then I got the big Berkey. Now I save my back and hundreds of dollars too. I was paying $600 for the same 3,000 gallons of water that a pair of black Berkey filters will provide from my own tap for only $99. This means that your Berkey water system will entirely pay for itself with only 1,500 gallons of use. And then you will still have 1,500 gallons left before you need to replace the filters. Do the math. Stop throwing your money away on bottled water and filter dispensers that may or may not be delivering as promised. For a limited time, First Amendment Radio is offering 10% off on the most popular Berkey water systems. Visit the shopping page at FirstAmendmentRadio.com or call us at 559-781-3773 for more information. Leave your name and address and we'll send you this special offer. Do it now. First Amendment Radio is an authorized distributor of Berkey products. Also in uh, 1920, uh, we see that the, uh, on this day in history, Prohibition was passed. Prohibition was passed uh, directly. Anybody who has taken a detailed study of history rather than the generally handed out uh, history of uh, America uh, and just life in general uh, uh, will know that the reason that they went uh, to prohibition was to kill alcohol fuel. Uh, it was actually the, the prohibition was financed uh, by Rockefeller, who was trying to get everybody to use gasoline because he could make a fortune if everybody used gasoline. And alcohol stills were everywhere because people made their own solvents. People had farms. Uh, they were an independent lot. They have since then. We have become absolutely dependent upon corporations and the men who control them from everything from our gasoline to our food. Uh, one of the things that church is trying to do is to create a society in which people can be independent and not need these corporate powers, whether it be government or individual corporations, and they can actually sustain themselves. And they do so, and they work at this, because they actually love one another. Uh, one of the greatest tools I think we'll have in moving in that direction is the Living Network. So if you are not on the Living Network, go to the website and join the Living Network. If you are on the Living Network, 
find a contact minister, elect that contact minister, and you will become a part of that network. We are going to concentrate on that. We have found that those people who don't really love one another, who are backbiters and inventors of evil things, don't really want to get involved in the network. You know, they, they join it like you join an email group. Uh, a network is not about plugging into a computer terminal. It may start on that computer, but it is plugging into people. We are the terminal. Each of us are, is the terminal to God. Uh, each of us is an individual seeking the ways of God or not. And each of us need to plug into one another, tap into one another, make contact. And then that virtue of God will flow in us. So that's uh, the announcement. But back to what we were talking about in the kingdom of God. In those days, there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Now, that could be a good statement or a bad statement, depending on what he was seeing with his eyes. Does he have eyes of righteousness and humility? Is he uh, tending to the weightier matters of law, justice, and mercy, and faith? Uh, if he is not, then he is not in Israel. Israel's not here or there, and the kingdom of God is not here or there, but his righteousness. Israel, the word Israel itself, means where God prevails. People think uh, they, there's a uh, little UN protectorate uh, government that was created, a corporate government that was created over there in the Middle East where Jesus once was. Uh, and they, everybody says, that's Israel uh, in days, and it's coming about. Well, no, Israel is where God prevails. Uh, Moses would be ticked off at those people. Uh, what's going on? Yeah, they're very, uh, very powerful. Uh, and uh, there's some really great people in Israel, I'm sure. But they're, as a matter of policy, their government does things contrary to the ways of Moses to such an extreme degree. It's, it's unfathomable how they, they even get away with claiming to be Israel. And uh, uh, it, it's just astounding. And, and I'm not bashing them. Uh, they're just another country like any other country. They just use the name Israel. Uh, and if they don't repent, they will go down with all the other countries and kingdoms of the world. And I mean repent uh, even to the ways of Moses. They don't even come close. Jesus and Moses were in agreement. This is one of the things we try to point out in Thy Kingdom Come, that Jesus and Moses, I mean, of all the people that you see Jesus with from the Old Testament, there's Moses standing there talking with Jesus. They're in agreement. Uh, Jews today are not in agreement with Moses any more than Christians today are in agreement with Christ. Because they do contrary uh, to the ways of Christ. According to all the works which they have done since the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day wherewith they have forsaken and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. That's First Samuel. You read the whole thing, First Samuel 8. Read the whole thing. They decided to have a government in authority over them who could exercise authority but fight their battles, protect them from what have you. Saul took the kingdom over Israel and fought against all the enemies on every side. He became the commander-in-chief. He could exercise authority one over the other. This was called a rejection of God. The voice of the people chose to have Saul. And the people were captured by giving him that kind of authority. It was a sin. It was a sin then. It's a sin now. And we've turned that way. It is not 1776. Don't tell me about your constitution or anything like that. You are now under a corporate government. Most of the courts you go into are administrative courts. Go read the, the covenants of the gods and see where you've gotten yourself. But it's not so important to memorize all that information. It's important to understand that we have rejected God. We need to return to the ways of God 
and everything will be sorted out. And that's what Christ says. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness, kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all else will be given unto you. That's where we need to be looking. But so many people are looking, oh, well, I'm going to, you know, expatriate. No, seek the righteousness. Are you trying to save others? Are you caring about others? Are you serving others? Are you coming together in the character of Christ? Because if you're not, Christ is not in you. And if you're coming together in congregations in the name of Christ, wouldn't those congregations want to come together? Wouldn't you want to link up with other congregations around the country? Now, we can help provide those links, but you have to provide that relationship of love. You have to care and support that effort by becoming a part of that effort. And that's what the network is beginning to do. I remember in the movie Moses, when I was a little boy, uh, this guy comes out. I thought we were going to go see this movie, and uh, my grandma took me in. And uh, Santa Rosa Theater in Houston, Texas. I think it cost a dime to go in there. It might have been a quarter then, but I think it was only a dime. You see, we're in that process of the decline and fall of the Roman Empire, which we've talked about so many times before. Are men the property of the state, Cecil B. DeMille's asked? Or are they free souls under God? This battle continues throughout the world today. And, of course, today in America, people are a property of the state. Their churches are corporations of the state. Uh, they don't own their land. They have betrayed every principle upon which um, early Americans stood their ground and remained free souls under God. They have nothing in common with what those early Americans were doing. They have chosen another Saul. They have rejected God. They have given huge amounts of power to government. Eventually, David would be the anointed king instead of Saul. And why? Because Saul forced an offering of the people, and that was a violation of God's law, to force, you know, the Corban, the offering of the people. In this case, it was called a peace offering. A peace offering was an offering, uh, generally speaking, in order to pay for the army. The word anointed, which David was called, Meshach, uh, is also translated Messiah. The Lord's anointed, the Lord's king. And although he really screwed up from time to time, he was a king after God's own heart because he repented. We need to repent, too. If we find ourselves falsely accusing, if we find ourselves backbiting, if we find ourselves straying from the facts and making up stories, in order to prove a point, to be boasters, proud. We need to take a look at what we're doing. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. If you want to be an apostolos, an ambassador of Jesus Christ, you need to conform to Christ not according to what you have created in your mind as an image of Christ, because that's idolatry. In the new book, uh, Higher Liberty, we have a chapter on that. You'll be surprised what idolatry is. Uh, Matthew wrote in Aramaic, and that was translated into the Greek. There's a debate over it, but it's really very clear when you start looking at the difference between Aramaic words and Greek words and why you would, how you would get to the unique verbiage and, and terms that we see in Matthew, but we do not see in the other Gospels. Matthew is the only author that uses the phrase kingdom of heaven. Nobody else uses kingdom of heaven. That's really strictly a Matthew thing in the Gospels. 
It actually means a realm on earth. The word heaven is from Oranos. If you if you go to Greek scholars uh, like uh, uh, in uh, the the dialogues of the early Greek philosophers by John Burnett, you'll see him say that this a word Oranos. There is no real good translation into the English for Oranos. We translate it heaven, but that's not what he would choose. Uh, not some mystical, ethereal plane that we go to when we're dead. But the best word he says to translate Oranos into is the word world. So all the words that we see translated into world in the New Testament that mean other things like age or inhabited place or state, the one word that should be translated world, according to some Greek uh, professors, I mean, not just any old Greek professor, but this is this is a pretty prestigious guy, uh, is translated heaven instead of world. Now, what would it look like in the King James if he was saying the kingdom of the world is at a hand? And Jesus was saying, my kingdom is not of the state of Pontius Pilate. You don't have any jurisdiction. But God so loved the state, the organized system of men, the city of Cain, Babylon, that he gave his only begotten son that they might be saved because they're not saved. You know, that was one of the things that we should uh, make note of is that uh, this idea of salvation And uh, Saul took the kingdom over Israel, the right to rule over Israel. They're talking about uh, this uh, imperium that belongs to every man. In Roman law, the imperium belonged to every man. But by the time Augustus Caesar came along, he held the imperium. The Senate was the fathers of the nation, and he was the father of the Senate, the Patronus. And Jesus said, call no man on earth father. He's talking about an office, a power that should be back in the hands of each and every family. And it's not in the hands of each and every family, because the heads of the families have been cut off. The fathers are no longer. The position of their foot is not for God holding the land, dressing and keeping it, the position of their foot is chained to an authority that they have bowed down to, made covenants with, and contracts with. Saul seized the imperium, which each patriarch had once enjoyed as free men in the kingdom of God from generation to generation. His reign was called salvation. And Saul said, There shall not be a man to put to death this day, for today the Lord hath wrought salvation in Israel, in the place there God prevails. So the salvation of Christ was really to set the captive free, in spirit and in truth. And he did that. And that's why we had to write the book, Thy Kingdom Comes, so that people would begin to understand that. You are not saved. Now, you don't have to be set free from the dominion of the world. But remember, the kingdoms of the world are owned by the devil. If you belong to the kingdom of the world, if you are owned by the kingdom of the world, and the kingdom of the world is owned by the devil, when you die, what happens to you? You know, in Revelations, they talk about having slaves, but they also talk about having souls of men. Who owns your soul? God or the devil? Now, the devil would want to make you think that you are saved. He will create some sort of easy salvation where all you have to do is say a few magic words and then you're saved. Or maybe he will say, you know, you have to come out of him, my people lest you be partakers of their sins, 
and make you think that you've actually come out of them by burning up your ID. You haven't come out of them until you've come into righteousness. Because the kingdom of God is righteousness. And people do not see that. They create this false image of the kingdom. Very few people are going to hear this message. But it's very important that as many that do come together. We haven't been coming together. We've been coming apart. The church has thousands and thousands of denominations. We don't need denominations. We need to start doing things in the ways of Christ. The difference between the men in early America and what we see today is amazing because we have had a flood of sea of people come into America that have not heard the gospel. They've heard the watered-down version of the gospel invented by Satan to give you a delusion, a strong delusion that you're saved when you are not. And it has crept into houses and it has led away silly women. And many of those silly women are men who are more like women than even women. Real men aren't that way. They're confident, independent self-reliant yet they take the time to become a part of a community because they love one another they want to see other people free they are not trying to free themselves they are trying to free others they're not trying to uh, create a pretense of uh, of saving the poor when every man God is impoverished They become deceivers of themselves. And we're going to try to go through the rest of this book, Thy Kingdom Come, but we're just going to hit the high spots. We're just going to talk about these things in more spiritual ways that are different than the ways of the world and the intellectual ways about law and and, and things like that. We're going to try to touch on uh, how we are spiritually void of understanding the righteousness of the kingdom and how far it goes. You know, early Americans, most of the, I don't know about most, uh, probably most were not in favor of the Revolutionary War. There were actually 50,000 that joined the British troops to fight against those Americans. It was only the landed class, the people who actually owned their land, that could not be taxed because they actually were freemen. They lived on land they owned, not legal title as Americans do today. They were the ones who said, "Hey, you can't, you can't tax us like this. We're free. We're not, we're not. We didn't take an oath of allegiance. We won't take an oath of allegiance. Our allegiance is to God. He is our constitution. Is our Bible." I mean, these are, these are guys, you know, we cover this in, in Covenants of the Gods and Thy Kingdom Come. I could, I could give you a hundred quotes on that. You know, Patrick Henry, I mean, he, he wrote that, you know, the chains are forged. Uh, give me liberty, give me death. You know, the whole speech there. Used to memorize it in school years and years ago. Most kids don't even know he said it now. But he wrote that speech when he wrote into Culpeper, Virginia and saw a man whipped eventually to death in the public square after being imprisoned and everything because he refused to get a license to preach. Yet today, all the churches not only get licenses to preach, but they incorporate. And all the ministers have already incorporated. They have, they have signed contracts and covenants with the government, and now they have to bow down and work two hours, three hours, four hours out of every day for the government. That's the bondage of Egypt. 20% goes to the government, and you're in the bondage of Egypt. We don't call that bondage anymore. We call that freedom, but that's an illusion. It is natural to man to indulge in the illusion of hope 
we are apt to shut our eyes against a painful truth and listen to the song of that siren till she transforms us into beasts. In this, the part of wise men engaged in a great and arduous struggle for liberty are we disposed to be of the numbers of those who having eyes see not having ears hear not the things which so nearly concern their temporal salvation their temporal salvation for my part whatever anguish of spirit it may cost I am willing to know the whole truth to know the worst and provide for it willing to know that I am the problem I have made these mistakes I have been deceived I have been seduced and then each of us shall be kings in our own house if we will like David repent and admit I have sinned against God and change our ways and start caring about others as much as we care about ourselves. Stop being inventors of evil. Stop being backbiters. Stop being endless debaters. Stop being false witnesses. Start coming together and sharing and contributing of our lives to God through His kingdom, which he has taken away from the Pharisees of the past and will take away from the Pharisees of the present and give to those who bear fruit. This is attributed to Mark Twain. He said once, uh, the trouble with people isn't their ignorance. It's the number of things they know that just ain't so. We are free. We are in bondage. We have... The voice of the people have elected men who take our sons and daughters, the best fruits, first fruits of our labor, best of our fields, take our sons and run before their chariots. In 1991, the Persian Gulf War started. How many thousands and thousands of American young men have died from Gulf War syndrome? You would be astounded at the number of good, strong, healthy men that have been absolutely debilitated. And you would be astounded to find out exactly where that came from and what what is going on there. Until we meet again, may peace be upon your house. And let's let's provide for the truth. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.